I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women and I am a woman. At some point, you gotta decide for yourself who you are. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. How do you go about getting an exorcism? I beg your pardon? Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. This week's podcast is an exclusive interview with Asif Kapadia, the documentary filmmaker behind Senna, Amy, and most recently, Diego Maradona, the portrait of the Argentinian footballer which arrives on DVD this week. As with Kapadia's previous documentaries, you don't have to know anything about the subject to enjoy the film, or indeed, the film conversation. Asif, uh, welcome uh, to the podcast. Uh, the last time I saw you... We were at the Latitude Festival and uh, we were doing kind of a retrospective of your work. We showed some clips from Amy and some clips from Senna. And you were at that point working on this film about Diego Maradona. And I said to you, I know nothing about football. And you said, it doesn't matter. The whole point is you don't have to know anything about it. So now you've finished the film and I've now watched it. And you're right, I didn't have to know anything about it. But tell me from your point of view... The film's called Diego Maradona, right? And the film is about the fact that there are basically two people in that one name. Explain that to me. Yes, um, it it was, yeah, I remember, gorgeous, hot, sunny, summery, beautiful latitude uh, weekend that was. And uh, at that point, yeah, we were still trying to crack the film. um, And, you know, we were hoping to finish the film a year ago when we just were like, it's still... We're not, we're not quite nailed it, it's too long but during the process of working on it and actually it was around that time was the World Cup I guess okay. and England were playing that weekend I think and I think it was watching Diego during the World Cup and kind of you know the camera kept cutting to him and he was doing something silly during the Nigeria game I think it was and some of that's in the film at the very, yeah. very ending. And Wasn't there a news story about the fact that you were filming him that was somehow tied to Remind a very me. reliable source known as the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail, that's right. Said that Diego <laughs> Maradona. Truth. Yeah, yeah. The Diego Maradona was acting up on camera that. during the World Cup because a filmmaker, me, me, had told him to do it for the film. But weirdly enough, some of it ended up in the film. <laughs> so maybe I did tell okay. him to do it. But you didn't. Of course not. No, no, you fine. Don't okay. to me. No. Okay. Um, so, but, so, so that was it. So he was he was in inverted commas. And what did acting up mean? Well, he was giving two fingers to the crowd, and he was kind of doing kind of a Christ-like kind of <laughs> thing. Uh, he was just enjoying himself a bit too much, and not necessarily always in control. Okay. And I guess that we were editing at the time. Chris King, my editor, and I were working. I remember thinking, somehow we've got to deal with this. We've got to deal with what he is now. What he's yeah. become. And during the process, that the, the, you know, if I go back to Senna, 
Senna, we, we, we kind of conflated the story down and we had to simplify it down to one great rivalry, Alain Prost, yeah. the French driver who had a different way of living and a different way of driving to Senna. And that was the great battle. With Amy, there were kind of people in her team or around her and relationships that maybe were not great for her and her battles with kind of fame and battles with, um, you know, the media at yeah. various points, paparazzi. With Diego... He's a bit of Senna and he's a bit of Amy, but he's also he's Maradona. Yeah. And so he had this kind of Latin hero, the idea of lots of people from all of Argentina or from Naples loved this guy and made him a god. But he also had issues with kind of just feeling comfortable with himself, issues with fame, issues that manifested themselves through his addictions that he became, you know, had a real problem with. But it didn't seem like there was a kind of obvious rival there wasn't an obvious person you couldn't say this person or that person or this group of people would reason why he had loving family and loving parents it was more just like everything that mm-hmm. happened in his life and it all came back to people just saying nobody tells Diego Maradona what to do he does what he wants to do and if things are going really really well and going really really smoothly then he will create a fight yeah. he needs someone yeah. to fight against he needs an argument he needs a battle he needs a struggle he needs a cause so then this idea that came out of someone I never knew about before called Fernando Signorini, his trainer, yeah. who knew him from way back, said, you know, there's Diego and there's Maradona. There's one guy that I really like. I'd love to hang out with you. could spend time with. And there's this other guy who's like the ego, who you just feel like, I don't want to go anywhere with you. And Maradona's answer was, yeah, but if it wasn't for Maradona, I'd still be in the ghetto. You know, I never would have succeeded had it not been for this edge, this fighter, the bronca, which is the term he uses, the, the angry side of me. And so the film is really about this relationship between Diego and Maradona. What I really like about that is, again, it's a matter of the the documentary saying you don't need to know about football, you don't need to know about the background. Because I didn't even know about the key matches. I didn't even know about the key teams that he had played for. The only thing I knew, as I think I said to you, actually was, you know, the the hand of God and the arm of Maradona, which, of course, does, of course, you know, turn up in in the documentary itself. So in terms of um, that, that tension between... Diego and Maradona. Let's do Diego first. I mean, an extraordinary rags to riches story and something which he then carried with him. So when he became successful, and the documentary talks about this, there was a resentment because of where he'd come from. How dare somebody from that background be so successful? Yeah, absolutely. He, he, it's that whole thing of he left Via Frita, but he never left Via Frita. Wherever he goes, he's always going to be that guy from this place. And it happened to him in various stages. It happened to him definitely in Barcelona, but we, we didn't necessarily have time to go into it. But he was definitely looked down upon by the people in Barcelona and the Spanish as this guy from a poor part of South America, yeah. you know, the less than us. Naples is interesting because Neapolitans feel like that anyway. They feel like they're looked down upon by the rest of Italy. And so he felt a real affinity to this place. And they loved him because no one else was going to come there. You know, like really one of the poorest places in Europe, massive issues with, at the time, crime and kind of gangsters and Camorra and drugs. And, and yet he came to them and made them great and mm-hmm. made them proud and beat the rest of the country at a time when if you do know anything about football, you know, Italian football at the time was the toughest league in the world. Yeah. All the best players in the world were in Italy and he went to a team that never won anything and he won. Um, so they loved him. But the thing about Naples is it's quite a touchy, feely, intense place if you've ever been there. And so they just loved him so much they kind of almost suffocated him with love at the point where he can't go anywhere, he can't go out, can't do anything because 
they just want to touch him. Yeah. And, it's, and you see that in the film, this idea of people just wanting to grab him and touch him, and he didn't like to be touched. You mentioned the Kimura, the very first thing that happens in the very first press conference, and it, it, the way it comes across in the film is the very first question of the pr- press conference is somebody says, do you know about the Kimura? You do know that they're everywhere. At which point the mayor stands up and says, how dare you? It's disgusting. But how prescient that that is, like literally he was asked that at the very first press yeah. conference. Yeah, French journalists, they always kind of look, look for the trouble. Um, oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's true. And it was actually, it was like the, the, the owner of the club, Felena, who brought Diego over, who basically then argues. But he protests a bit too much as well. It's kind of a mad press conference. It's very Neapolitan with people shouting and screaming. And there's kind of fans on top of, on the roof of the press conference shouting out Diego's name. And the important thing for me is always when you look at Diego's face he just looks lost He's yeah, like, he, he doesn't know where he is he looks really vulnerable and confused and he has n- no idea what he's getting himself into really and what we then see from the arc of the documentary is that that does close in around him and, act- and what makes it moving is that the fact that he looked so complete like I don't know what this is I don't- no I didn't know that actually thanks for bringing it up and then you know 45 minutes later in the documentary suddenly they're supplying him with drugs and women and suddenly he is in he- like he's been sucked into it yeah yeah I mean that's the story it's like he Diego Maradona is the kind of person who wants to know who wherever he goes he wants to know who runs this city you know, he will seek out the people who are in control. And if he's in Cuba, he'll be hanging out with Fidel Castro. And, you know, if he's, you know, in Venezuela, he'll be hanging with, you know, and in Argentina. And if the Pope wants to hang out with him, they want to hang out with him and he wants to hang out with the most powerful people. But in Naples, he also wanted to know he was protected and safe. Mm-hmm. And the people who can protect you will be the street guys. And in this case, the Camorra. But they want to, they're all fans of Napoli. So they want to hang out with the best footballer in the world. And he wants to know that someone's going to be looking after me. But in this case, the closer you get to these people, the more you're going to get caught up in their kind of web. And that's what happens to Diego. And I think he always thinks that I'm in control. I know what I'm doing. I know how to handle it. But actually, it does get out of control. And what about the creation of the Maradona, the separate personality? Because the documentary definitely sort of watches that persona emerge because that's always the, the Maradona that I knew as an outsider you know the single name the last name Maradona like Madonna actually it's it's, it's just the one name that's all they need and it becomes this sort of larger than life I mean what where did that character come from as in for him yes I mean, you know, he's one of those kids who really early, even when he was like 17 or 18, he would be talking about himself in the third person really, really early on. Uh, Madonna. <laughs> but there we are, yeah. Classic. Maradona, you know, he's not happy about being in this club. And, you know, if they want to get rid of Maradona, then I'm quite happy to move on. I don't ever cause any trouble. He's always saying that. It's not, it's not me. You're making me leave. Yeah. I don't want to leave. So he would talk about himself as Maradona from a very young age. Um, but he still had this kind of youthful kind of innocence. And, and I suppose that's the thing that we were trying to show that I think there's something about footballers, there's something about fame. And it's almost like he's a rock star, isn't it? He's a, he's a musician, he's a rock star, he's, he's someone bigger than life. And he created this persona because that was his way of dealing with the press. That's what Signorini said. That's his way of doing interviews. That's his way of forcing the issue if he feels that like I should be earning more money for everything that I'm doing and everything I'm bringing to this club then I'm going to create a bit of trouble just to say you're going to have to pay me or else I'm off mm-hmm. I think that thing of his relationship with money is obviously key he came from nothing so he's like you better pay me for what I do and and I think that persona was a big part of that it's his way of saying what he thinks but it's not necessarily everything about yeah. him oh, a ver. Jordan. Jordan. 
Giordano, che hai provato con questo titolo? Una gioia immensa che, che la delega mia madre. Grande, grande, sei grande come vuoi che hai peccato. Adesso, andando, andando. That's also kind of, there's this almost sad image of him with the Rolex watch. That it's like it's like being bought off with trinkets. Yeah. It's it's a Rolex watch, and he's there's that picture of him looking so pleased, yeah. and they you know giving him more than yeah. one. Yeah. All the way through, he seems to retain the sense that he was always this that poor kid. It's you know you've got the kid with no education, no you know that whole issue of someone who rose to the top and with no support system and no no one to just watch his back really because he left everyone behind it's the child genius thing you know he left home at 15 mm. he by 15 in the opening of the film you know he's the one giving his parents a home out of the shack that they grew up in with eight eight of them living in a shack and he's now suddenly the breadwinner so that's almost where you stop growing up the minute you earn more than your parents the minute that you are the breadwinner that's almost like where you get locked in and so he's like a teenager yeah. you look at him for the rest of his life he's still a bit of a moody teenager at times some of the things that he does and so therefore the shiny watch seems great but actually what are you paying in return for that shiny watch from the people who just gave it to you um one of the things that happens in the course of the narrative of the film is that you cover the change between him being adored and quite rapidly him suddenly sort of being hated as far as the film's concerned what's the turning point in terms of the film the turning point it all builds up to one particular moment which is when his um, national team, Argentina, play against Italy. But the match happens in his home stadium in Naples, and it's the semi-final of the 1990 World Cup. And it's just one of those, like, you couldn't really make it up moments. <laughs> and in fact, you, there's even a thing which says, don't do it here in this state. It's the, yeah. it's the wrong place. Yeah, yeah. So, so you've got... He's been there now for six years, and they love him and he's made his team great and they've become champions. So the Neapolitans just love him massively. And essentially what he says is, I've given you everything I could while I've been here. All I'm saying is, why don't you support me now that we've got this game coming up? But Neapolitans are slightly caught in the middle because they are looked down upon by a lot of Italy, as you see in the film, and humiliated for being poor and for having you know, this idea that the, the football songs are the worst. When you, when you see the film, you, we kind of translate the football chants, mm. which still go on now, yeah. where you know, they're saying, clean them, they're dirty, wash them. Vesuvius, wash them with fire. You know, literally burn them mm. to wash them. And it's really nasty, nasty stuff. And so Neapolitans want to be recognised as Italians, by the rest of Italy, but they also feel proud of themselves and they love him. So they're slightly caught in the middle. And what happens is the backlash, I don't want to give away everything, no, 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 but sure. essentially... That's it, what we build towards. We, we kind of sum it up, and for me, even though Diego played a lot of football after that moment, then really the last kick that we show of any significance in the game is him taking the penalty, mm -hmm. which could decide who goes through to the final. When you're constructing the narrative of the film, I mean, I imagine that you would have in mind, you know, an audience that understands football and people like me. When you did, you always know that that moment was where it was going, or did you find that in the in the editing? 
I, I don't know. No, I, I knew about it, but I wasn't really at the time paying attention. And, it, and it, it's always found in the edit. The honest truth is there's an instinct of what the story might be, but it all comes out of the research because I never know if the footage exists. So it's, I would never say, OK, the film's about this until right. I know if I can show it because I've got to make it a movie. It's not going to be something where I'm going to rely on an interview or a talking head or hopefully not still. So there was some great footage that we could show, and it all built up because at the beginning I didn't realise how big a deal kind of Neapolitans were going to become or Naples was going to become such a big character. And so that all comes out of the kind of two-year process of editing and research and interviews and seeing what's out there. And then we have a really long five-hour cut, four-hour cut. We had a three-hour cut a year ago when we met. A year ago at Latitude, it would have been about three hours long. And, you know, the dream was to go to Cannes last year. Oh, okay. and, and, you know, it was just like, <laughs> we're nowhere close. We're nowhere near. And it was a really difficult screening because I was, like, literally pushing for it. And people were saying, OK, fine, let's have the screening. You could just see at the end of it, it was like a depression that hit home. We're like, we're nowhere near, are we? And even I even had, you know, Thierry contacting me saying, can I see the film? Can I see the film? I want it for Cannes. And I was like, it's not ready. And I was like, as a joke, saying, maybe next year. You know, it was one of those where we just weren't ready and we had to make some tough decisions after that particular screening. So the summer when we would have met was when it was like, OK, we've got to rethink it. And actually, that is when it became Naples. The beginning of the film, up to the point when Diego arrives at Naples, was mm. about 45 minutes long. All right. That's now the five-minute opening scene. Yeah, which is a fantastic, a brilliant condensation of gets you up to speed, and it's it's fantastic. I just felt like, okay, great, you've uh, yeah, just now, throw you in there. there it's like the Italian job is like French Connection. <laughs> it's just like this mad driving sequence where you literally you're driving through his life, yeah. and then you don't know where you're going, and then you arrive, and yeah. you realise, oh, and now the film begins. So that was quite difficult because there were lots of great things there, but we had to get on to the main key story which is him arriving in Naples and then the after Naples section was about half an hour long yeah it was really powerful really moving but it was just it was too much and and I guess I wanted to try to say we, I want this to be a movie that you could watch at the cinema that people like you yeah hopefully find the right balance that yeah, yeah. football fans will watch it but also people who have no interest in football won't get bored saying ah oh, it's too much football no I mean I understood it because it's not about football in the same way that Senna isn't about Formula One um and also, I'm going to take full credit for being part of the inspiration of you doing that. Obviously, being on stage, you know, we had a conversation afterwards, your head was clear, and then you got it down to what it is. I, I feel like I really feel better <laughs> after, after that chat. So that, when you have that massive amount of, because there is clearly more footage of Maradona than there is of almost anyone else, do you ever feel like you're getting swamped by, do you literally call in everything and just trawl through absolutely everything? Yeah, I, I cast the net as well. I drive everyone mad, but... For me, it's like we've got to get everything in. We've got to look at everything because we don't... It's not just the visuals. It's who are the characters that keep popping up? Who was there at the time? Who's that woman? Who's that guy? I've never heard of him. Who's he? Oh, no one knows who he is. And you realise, oh, he's quite important. He's the trainer. So Fernando Signorini is like one of the main voices mm. who came up... We first mentioned really this idea of Diego versus Maradona, who spoke most eloquently and also most honestly. He's not afraid of Diego Maradona. A lot of people are a bit afraid, yeah. afraid of kind of upsetting him. Signorini was there. He's like, I was on the payroll, but I was never hanging out with him. I just did my job. I tried to train his brain and train his body. And Sinirini is like the kind of person, that unsung hero that comes out. And I only figured out who he was, not by reading a book or someone, just watching, who's that guy standing next to him? Who's that person? Who's, mm. And then you realise he's always there. 
he was always there through all of the key moments and even as oh he was living there because a lot of people might have been a part of Diego's life but they were in Buenos Aires they weren't there for the Naples period so it's like who was there in Barcelona who was there in Naples who followed him around and who knew what was going on in Diego's head mm-hmm. and that and th- that all comes out of doing the research so even though the story takes place in Naples and visually most of it's in Naples the voices are all Spanish and they all were living in Buenos Aires Diego was living in Dubai we're editing in London. So this film became kind of a very complex film to navigate because to talk to Diego Maradona, I had to go to Dubai. The story takes place in Italy and all of the key contributors and a lot of the footage was in Buenos Aires. Mm. So it was a, quite a complicated trip and a lot of travelling, not a cheap way to make a film. Yeah. One of the, I, I keep saying this thing about, you know, it's not a film about football, but actually it, that does it an injustice because one of the things that I did understand watching it was when they say about, so much of what he's doing is 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 psychological and planning, and and you actually you show him wrong footing other play, and actually I do understand. They go, oh fine, I understand that what he's doing is yes, half of it is the physical skill, but half of it is the decisions, the knowing exactly where they don't expect you to be and going the. I love the line, football is a game of deceit. Yeah. Which that's is, his yeah. right? So that's what it is. It's about tricking people. You think I'm going to go this way, I'll go that way. You think I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But that's how he lived on the pitch and off the pitch. You know, his life was a life of deceit in a way. So, But it's, it's, that can have a negative connotation. But also it's like just he's tricky, he's cunning, he's clever. So, you know, the England match is about deceit. He's like running at you and he's going this way and the defenders don't know where to go. But in the same way, the handball is the same thing. Mm. You know, you think I'm going to head it. Did he head it? No, his hand's in there. No one saw it the first time. No one saw it. Yeah, and actually, we hear him say they just didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah, he just tries it. But also, <laughs> I now have done so much research. I've seen him do that five times. Oh, really? It was Three out of five. <laughs> he gets away with it. Twice he got caught. He tried it in a World Cup. He got away with it. And I, I just think there's no big deal. That's just what, that's what footballers do. Okay. You try it on, and if you get away with it, you're happy, and your fans are happy. And when someone does it to you, you hate it. But it's also within that, there's a kind of very Latin thing of it's one thing winning. It's better if you can do it by a little bit of cheating, a little bit of cunning. It hurts that much more. And you want <laughs> your great rivals to hurt. And so that's where he's coming from. He's the street guy who kind of wanted to get his version of revenge on England because it's like four years after the Falklands War. His country was humiliated. So you've got this person who's like wants to beat them, but also if you can just do it in such a way that they're still talking about it 30-something years later, yeah. even better. 
you know, deceit and misdirection and being being the wily character cutting his way through, as you say, that, that works on the pitch and it works off the pitch. How much do you have to do that as a filmmaker with him? I mean, do you... Are you, do you say to him, this is what I'm doing? Are you playing around him as well? I, I guess that part of my job, yeah, is has got to be trying to be <laughs> streetwise in order to get any film made. You've got to always be weighing up all of the options and be thinking ahead and saying, if this happens, I'll do this. If that happens, I'll do that. Um, it's very different making the documentaries to doing fiction films, but it's all part of that idea of, I feel like when I'm making a film, I feel like my brain is kind of operating at a higher level it's almost like I'm like 85% awake. But normal everyday <laughs> Kapadia is like 60%. You know, that's like my operating level. And then there's something that kicks in, your instincts kicking when you're having to come up with solutions because you don't have time to go and think about it. You've got to come up, something's fallen apart, something's gone wrong, how are you going to fix it? Or this interview's going really badly or the shoot's going wrong, you're losing the light somewhere, you know, what are you going to do? Everyone's looking at you. So with him it became very much like okay how do I go first of all it was like we did a deal okay great he's on board fantastic can we go to meet him in Dubai yes come on this date all right that's four months away fine so we wait four months everyone wanted to meet Diego Maradona so the first meeting my producers two of them came along I took a translator I took a cameraman because I thought okay you never know how many more interviews is Diego going to give sound recordist all came from London we go to Dubai which is not a cheap place (laughs) and the day we were set up to do it it's like, no, not today. Come back tomorrow. Okay, right. Next day. No, not a good day. He's not feeling well. Okay, next day. Next day. Next day. And now we've been here five days, wasting our budget, never met him. And then I'm like, I'm going home. And they were like, no, 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 he might be fine in a few days. I'm like, no, actually, I'm not going to hang around. I just want to say hello. Yeah. So <laughs> after that first trip, we were there for five days, and there were five of us there. I got five minutes with him, went into his house, said hello, gave him a little gift. He said, we're going to make a great film. Great. He's like, take a picture, took a picture. All right, bye. See you next time. That was a very expensive learning. <laughs> and I was like, okay, next time I come, I'm not going to bring anyone with me. It's going to be me with the machine that we're talking into right now. I'm going to yeah. have a Zoom. It's going to be me and one translator. And we're going to go to his house and we're going to have to be cheaper and, and lower budget because we're going to have to be flexible. Yeah. You can't lock him down to a day and a time ever. And I've got to engage him. So the only way I can do that is by talking to him and getting to realise I know what I'm talking about. But on the other hand, I think this film's going to be a bit more like Senna and Amy. I'm going to have to make the film without the lead character. Yeah. And once I have okay. the film, I'll talk to him about the key moments. So he knows the film's going to be about these issues, the good and the bad, and I'm going to get his opinion. But at that point, I don't know how much he remembers. I don't know how much he cares to remember. I don't know how much he's rewritten history. So you're treating him as an absence in exactly the same way yeah. as you did with him. And how reliable a witness is he to his own story? I mean, that's the interesting thing is if you've got someone who's alive... But their version of the story has changed a lot in the 35 mm. years that have happened since. And he's telling you a line that most journalists were like, that's great, I've got my headline. And I'm like, but that's not what I'm seeing in the footage and that's not what everyone else has said. So let's go back again. So it was a really interesting thing to yeah. have someone, but actually they may be the least reliable person that I spoke to while making the film. But on certain key moments, he was great. Did you have any disagreements with him did he have any did he have any say in the cut or was it I take it he didn't well to 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 have a say on the cut you have to watch the film go fine has he not <laughs> he watched... hasn't seen the film because even now no because again a year ago around the time you know when my life changed when we met yeah you know I was trying to show him the film and the three I, hour version yeah because I thought okay we've got a film now and 
going backwards. My producers had set up the deal in such a way where we had access to his image rights, access to people around him, access to footage that had been shot about him, but also I had three interviews of three hours in length each. Mm. So I had nine hours, and I thought, okay, if I get him in a room, we'll be talking for five hours, it won't be a problem. Yeah. But actually, when I did meet Diego, before I got an hour and a half, his energy dropped off, and it was like, it's over. Right, okay. So I can, can I come back tomorrow, and we'll come Which back tomorrow. Which is interesting, an hour and a half is the length of a football match. There you go. We've got 90 minutes out of him. And then his energy would drop See off. how much I know. See how much I've learned, okay? See? 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 Finally. <laughs> Finally. And um, so so I was never sure if I came back the next day, is that now interview number two or is that still part of interview number one? Okay. You know, there's this whole issue of he's going to say, hold on, I've already given you this much time. So we'd come back the next day and we'd talk again, but we never necessarily got to the issues that I wanted to deal with. So when when we had the film... I saved up one of my final interviews to say, I'm going to show you the film. Yeah. If you have a problem with something, then we'll do a through. final interview and you can tell yeah. me about yeah. it. And he was living in Dubai still, so I said, can I come back to Dubai? And I was told, well, he's not going to be in Dubai. He's, a, he's about to go to Belarus. So I'm like, Belarus, where's Belarus? You look on a map. Oh, it's closer than Dubai. Can I come to Belarus? He goes, no, 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 I'm off to Colombia. Okay. He doesn't say this, he's entourage, he's yeah. kind of team, he's lawyers. Colombia. I don't think I'm going to come to Colombia. He goes, it's okay. I'll be in Moscow for the World Cup. Come to Moscow. Show me the film there. I don't think that's going to be a good time. As we saw, <laughs> it wasn't a great time to show him the film. So then I was like, when are you going to be on holiday? You can have a break at some point. He said, I'll be in Argentina after the World Cup. So I said, fine. We booked our tickets to go to Argentina. I've got some other interviews to do. Two days before I fly to Argentina, I get a message from a mate saying, have you seen the news? No, what's happened? He's taken a job in Mexico. He's in Sinaloa. So he turned up to darkest Mexico and I'm like, I can't go there. So there was just like never any way of showing the film. And I didn't want to just send a link. I wanted to watch it Yeah, you wanted to be there with him, yeah. And in the end, I thought, crazily, uh, if we get into Cannes, maybe he'll come to Cannes and I can show it to him there. So that was the plan. And then he was going to come to Cannes. And then he didn't. And then he didn't. So he hasn't seen it. So therefore, the film is done. Okay. But in a way, that's quite, it's quite good because it's kind of like, the option was given. Yeah. It wasn't taken, you know. Yeah, we tried. Genuinely, honestly tried. And he will see at some point, but... Because I know that when you were doing, like, you know, Amy and things, there were certain requests from certain members of the family. And you, you considered them. You didn't, you know, you didn't give in. But you thought, OK, I will, I will take yeah. those things on board. You're not a, a careless filmmaker. No, no. I mean, I, I, I find that part of the process quite an interesting one. It's scary as hell, but it's important. Yeah, but... So with this one, I wanted to show it to Diego Maradona first. That was impossible. So what I did then is when I did go to Argentina and when I went to Italy, I showed it to all of the family, the friends, the children, the ex-wife, Signorini, Akuchi, his biographer, everyone else, and said, what do you think? And they've all said, no, it's true. It's tough, but it's honest. And so I I have checked it by everyone else that was there and who who knows the story, who knows Diego. Some are in his good books, some really are not to get the kind of various opinions of what the Neapolitans make of it, what do the Argentinians make of it. So I, I have shown it to enough people to feel, OK, I feel like we've got the balance yeah. right. Con Diego iría hasta el fin del mundo, pero con Maradona no daría un paso. Fue una carga ser tan famoso. A nivel psicológico esto le turbaba. Entonces Maradona se impuso. Fútbol. How did Can go? 
How did you experience it? It was it was it was great. It's crazy. It's intense. It, I found it quite emotional, to be honest. Um, that whole experience. I mean, did you do the whole red carpet? Thing? Yeah, yeah, all of that, and and it was a late night screening, so it was a uh, kind of packed and went down really well. And there was applause during the film. Oh, great! And it got a really nice ovation at the ending. And and my feeling watching it was at the beginning, as we were there, I was thinking, oh, what a shame Diego Maradona is not here to experience this love. Halfway through the film, I thought, thank God Diego Maradona is not here to experience this. And for me to be next to him when he watched it, then at the ending, I thought... Oh. Honestly, that would have been terrible. If, if he had seen it for the first time, it would have been sitting wrong. next to you, that would have... Well, just the, the stress level. It would have clicked off. I don't know what would have happened, but I, I, I had... A lot of it was tempered by me thinking, what would it have been like if he was sitting next to me? And then at the ending, again, I thought, oh, what a shame he's not here, because actually yeah. it is made with love. It is honest. But actually, I think people understand him better at mm-hmm. the end of the film. And I think he would have got an amazing reception. But I don't think it's the right time and place for him to see the film. No, and, and I think from your point of view as well, if you've done all that work, you want to be able to enjoy watching it, the film rather than sitting there just... Act- I mean, if you know, Terrified. Yeah, absolutely terrified because, you know, because you never know. If you, no. Because you make a film about anybody. I mean, in, in the very small experience that I have of making documentaries about filmmakers... The things that they don't like are never the things that you expected. Yeah. It's always some... Can I give you an example of this? Go ahead. So just making the film, like, we're thinking, OK, he hasn't seen the film yet, but there's a clip coming out. I wonder what he's going to make of this clip. And, and then, you know, there's a trailer coming out when everyone was worried about this thing in the trailer or that thing in the trailer. And in the end, there was no comment about any of this. But the poster, the, the kind of UK poster came out, and the film's called Diego Maradona. Yeah. But underneath it, there's four words. I think it's something like rebel, hero, hustler, God. Yeah. I didn't write that. Someone created that. Yeah. I thought it was OK. It's in a poster. But someone in Argentina translated the word hustler as something in Spanish, which Diego didn't like. And okay. then he came out against the word hustler, right. which is one word in a poster. It's not the film. It's not the trailer. It's not a clip from the film. It's a word... That someone's translated, that he decided... And it'll be a nuanced thing, that, that, that the word translates as having yes. some other... Swindler, thief, yeah. he took it as... As opposed, to, as opposed to mover yeah. or, you yeah. know, yeah. So, so then he says, this film's a lie. Don't go and see this film. I'm never <laughs> going to go and see this film. I, I don't like this film. So that came... I mean, that's what happened. When did you know, that happen? I missed couple that. Of, it was literally a few days after camp. Oh, fine. So then it was like... But then loads of Argentinians said, that's why we want to see the film now, you know, because... So are you now reconciled with him? I don't know where I am with him right now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not but yet. I, but I, my feeling is that if... I think it will be fine. If it comes down to a quibble about a nuance of a translated word, you're in pretty good... But it's what you're shape. saying, where you make a film about someone and you think they're going to be worried about one thing and yeah. then there'll be something else that you're just not paying attention to. You go, oh, yeah. right. Oh, yeah, of course, the yeah. word hustler, which I didn't translate. Well, I mean, my, you know, my own example of this... My own example of this is that you know, years and years ago, I made a film, a film about with Nick, who's here doing it, about a filmmaker who I absolutely love, and I thought it was, a, and and the filmmaker in question got on the phone and yelled at me for an hour. God, who was it? I, I'll tell you off record because because I it's one of those things really about. Exist. I'll tell you off record because it, and, and it, but it was one of those things about kind of and 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 the thing that they didn't like was something that had never even occurred to me was an issue. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's one of those things. Anyway, look, congratulations on the film. I'm really pleased that it's it, uh, that it has done the thing that you said it was going to do, which was to be something that works for somebody. Because I, I, I it's not just that I don't know about football. I'm kind of 
hugely ignorant of it. But I did come out the other end of it thinking, okay, I understand... I understand that the trajectory of the story. I love the fact that, as you always do, you find you find a thread through it and you find that moment that works. But I also thought I kind of liked him at the end of it. And I have to say that I had not expected that because all you hear is the stuff about the larger than life, you know, uh, imperial character who seems quite hard to like. Mm. So, yeah. Hey, I think it, it, there is a kind of there's a sweet guy in there somewhere who who wasn't always that way, and I think that's what I learned along the way was that something happened to him. The experience of being successful, becoming famous, being in that place at that particular moment in time changed him. And all I want to do is, you know, I'm kind of interested in kind of humanity of these characters and understanding them and just feeling a bit for them and and what's happened so far. Even the most hardcore England fan has said, "God, you really annoyed me." I care about him a bit, you know. Yeah, you yeah. made me feel about someone I've never liked. And in you know, in certain cases, people who can't stand football have come out saying, I kind of get it. You can see he's actually quite brilliant. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's cool. Thank you, Asif Kapadia, filmmaker, documentarian, hustler. Congratulations, it's really good. Well, there we are. That was my exclusive conversation with Asif Kapadia. Diego Maradona is available on DVD now. Do check it out. It's well worth watching. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed it, tell your friends. Remember to subscribe and keep watching the skies. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.